What's up? What's up? Another week, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, the Football Academy. I'm here, Sapoon, tonight with Braden. How's it going, sir? I, it's a pretty good night. Um, it's a lot happening in our country today. It's uh, kind of interesting. Um, so I'm happy to talk about football. We got a few things to go over. So uh, let's get started. Yeah, it has been an eventful day indeed. And we have had quite a few uh, Premier League games for everybody who's listening. I don't know when you'll end up listening to this, but we are recording this on Wednesday night. We want to make sure we get this out at least in time for the one Premier League game. And before y'all get dragged into all the FA Cup fixtures, we'll do a results tally much like last week in the next week's preview because uh, we'll have all the games done and frankly would just rather spend some more time in discussing these games because ultimately however weird the year has been it has brought some really positive stories and west ham united definitely seem to be in that mold their best premier league start in their history after i think 18 or 19 games however many they've played so far and it looks like a team that can cause problems to pretty much everybody on their given day and it'll be fascinating to see if David Moyes can kind of redo at West Ham in a way what he was building at Everton. Because, like, people forget for all his bad years, there were times when Everton were almost playing in the Champions League. Yeah, and one of the things that I think uh, Moyes does really well, or, or at least he did very well at Everton, and it seems like he's doing well now at West Ham, is managing a squad with a somewhat restricted budget. And so I, I think there's sometimes a different skill set between making the most out of limited resources and then going to a club like Man United where all of a sudden you have unlimited resources. And it's kind of a shift in mentality and thinking. And I think point to that is why maybe that didn't work with Moyes. But you go back to a West Ham squad, and I think he's very back in his element. Uh, he's with a kind of blue-collar English team that has a lot of maybe not necessarily star player talent, but they, they've got some guys who are above average, I, I feel like, uh, across that team. Uh, and, and not just kind of like a couple plotters, uh, including you know top 100 Premier League player Mark Noble. Um, but that aside, like he's doing a really good job at West Ham. I think this game was indicative of that. Like it's a team that they created better chances. They controlled the game and outside of a nice Pereira goal, like he, he seems to be coming alive uh, again a little bit. Uh, I kind of hyped him up a little bit at the beginning of the year, went very, very quiet. And, you know, now he seems to be coming back alive. So I guess better late than never uh, but other than that like West Ham were pretty much dominant in this game yeah I absolutely agree and I mean the goal was pretty spectacular as you said from Pereira and credit to uh, West Ham to what they have achieved so far and I know people are going to point to the standings and be like hey they've played 19 games and blah 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 but you know what man they they have more points than Chelsea this season and Arsenal and yeah like <laughs> I, I, I mean, the reason I point out Chelsea is because for everything that they spend, all the title hopes, it seems to be just coming absolutely dwindling down and, you know, pretty deflating tunnel loss at Leicester City for them. And as a fan watching it, I mean, I we, we on this podcast have been proponent of managers keeping their jobs. We have 
outside of me going a bit crazy about Scott Parker early in the season, I we ha- we haven't really said this manager does not deserve the job. Lampard, in my in at least in my books, is not going to be the first manager I'm going to throw under the bus here. Like, it's just not working, and I I don't think you going and getting a a different manager is an upgrade. Uh, realistically at Chelsea right now, maybe you get a new manager bounce, but I think you wait till the summer, see what Lampard's got and see if he can figure this out. But at the same time, let's, I talked about respect and I talked about Leicester and I said, if you win this game, I will give you all my respect. And I mean, yo, they are title contenders and for all the Brendan Rogers at Liverpool, you know, Gerard slip memories that people have, as well as last year, he also he knows how to win. At the end of the day, he won in he won in Scotland. He knows what it takes to win a league. Like, let's put aside all the this you know difficulty level and all of that. This ain't FIFA. Ultimately, it's experience that you gain. And I think he is making Leicester a, a really formidable side. And it's kind of telling what can happen if you have the right manager with the right players, because I'm looking at Chelsea, the question marks are there about the manager. And I also have question marks about the players in general. And you compare that to Leicester. It's uh, just very fascinating. So how do you feel about those two uh, teams? Yeah, I think you, I think you kind of nailed it with Leicester and I'm going to go on a, a slight tangent here when we talk about the Scottish league, uh, because I think it's an illustration that, kind of expresses how I feel about it. I, I played golf in high school and I had a coach who would tell me like every once in a while, he would tell us to play off the women's tees and be like, you need to shoot very low today because you're playing with a big advantage of what you have. So if you go out and do just kind of what you did before, like you need to understand that that is not good enough today. So go figure out how you're going to be better. And so I think that, you know, like you said, going and getting that experience in the Scottish league, even if it is a little bit easier, I, I think that's beneficial. Like, like you said, it is learning how to win a league because, you know, even if it was a little bit easier, guess what? You still have to go do it. You can still make the same mistakes you did before and get punished for it. So I think you've got to give them some credit for that. And like you said, this is a lesser team. It's It's got some players on there who were around when they won the title and, you know, might look at this and say, we can, we can do this. Like if, if they can, if they can really rally around that, because a big part of being title contenders is thinking your title contenders and being in that man mentality. And if Lester's leaders can get them in there, I, I think that they've got a, as good a shot as anyone. I mean, out outside of city who, like we said, could run away with it. You got to like Lester as second favorites. Yeah, that is uh, very, very true. And for me, looking at Leicester, one of the wild things is we keep talking about them and low XG goals. I mean, the two fucking goals, dude, like just absolutely ridiculous. You know, they had better chances than them. Like James Justin had literally an open goal that he missed on. And I'm looking at the chance. I mean, NDD, like, holy shit. Like you're talking about defensive midfielders in the league. Like people talk, Declan Rice, people talk. Calvin Phillips, like Ndidi is going to probably end up costing a whole lot more than uh, Declan Rice when it's all said and done. And James Madison, I'm very glad to see him back from his injury worries. Like last season was a bit dip in 
his value, the way people talked about him, and kind of was the forgotten man after his injury. So really nice to see him. And bro, where do where do Leicester find all these center backs though? Like, we need to have a conversation about that because our clubs really suck. Like, with it's it's gotten better, but like the way Leicester have just gone around and replaced center back after center back is pretty impressive. Yeah. So I. Um... Lesser have uh, picked up Fafana, who was William Saliba's partner at uh, St. Etienne. And it's just look at like, I, I don't know exactly what Lesser paid for him, but I know what we paid for Saliba and they played significantly less for Fafana. And Saliba is back on loan uh, in Ligue 1. And you got to give them a lot of credit that their scouting department does a really, really good job of just it's it's not just getting young players and, and getting them in there. It's also having a succession plan for players that you're planning on moving on. And so you sell Harry Maguire and you got Soyuncu the next year. They, they have, they, they do this really very well. And I think they deserve a lot of credit for it. Yeah. I uh, very much agree with that. And looking at Chelsea though, what do you think is the path forward? Cause I don't know if you think that Tuchel or one of those guys would really be an upgrade, but what what do you make of that situation? So I don't know that they're an upgrade, but I do. This Chelsea team is not playing very inspired right now. And so I don't know if it's constantly shifting lineups. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know if it's just general, the squad not being really connected together, but doesn't, you don't really look at anything from this Chelsea squad and say, Yes, things aren't quite right right now, but here's what's going to pull us out. You don't really see that anywhere in this squad. And that's got to be a real concern. I don't know that Tuchel is an upgrade, but I do. There is a point where managers can't really come back from how bad it's gotten. Like it just it requires a culture change. And I think Arsenal were really close to that with Arteta and, you know, with some good results I, I think have kind of moved away from that, but I I wonder how close we are to that with Chelsea, where it's not necessarily that Frank isn't a good manager or maybe won't be a good manager someday, uh, but it doesn't seem like it's working right now. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with that. So I think it'll be very fascinating to see how they do. I think FA cup gives a very good and nice release for them, but I think Chelsea play wolves, at home and then Burnley next. And I mean, given how the season has gone so far for those two teams, um, he's got to win both those games. Yeah. You really, you feel like Chelsea needs six points from that. Yeah. And, and I think the funny part is like, we could be, we are talking right now that there's a chance he gets fired. I think if he wins those six points and results somewhere else go his way, you know, they are all of a sudden in the conversation for top four, the title again. So it's just that weird a season. So that's why I hope they stick with uh, with Lampard and, uh, you know, and Leicester City, man. Uh, we'll see how you guys do once Europe comes back. But so far, uh, they were top of the table. And this is how crazy the Premier League was because there was, again, a lead change after the next game was played between Manchester City and Aston Villa, where Villa, a very interesting setup in my opinion to play the way they did but they had the courage dean smith very well set up until you know it really took a special goal from bernardo silva to open up scoring and uh you know and then at the end uh just finishing off the game in 
a way that, you know, I guess Dean Smith was mad uh, as to what happened. And what is your take on what the... Nobody's going to talk about that VAR situation because not a whole lot of people watch that game. But if that was Man United, man, tomorrow's front 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 of those every single Daily Mirror, all of those fucking papers would have been about that fucking decision. It was kind of an odd VAR decision to me. I don't... We've kind of come to expect that with VAR. Like, it's a lot of... It, it was supposed to come in and make things uh, kind of more consistent and kind of ground things in a, like, factual truth, objectivity type thing. It just hasn't really done that. Like, it, it's been very... If anything, it makes things more confusing at times, it feels like. Um, which is a shame and something that I think the Premier League needs to kind of take a look at and figure out. Um, like you, I was impressed with the way Villa approached this game. And I do wonder if kind of the way that they approached this game and the way that kind of Dean Smith reacted and and got sent off um, is also partially about like team mentality in this. Like they, they know that they're probably not they're probably not going to beat city. But I think if you tell a team that wants to play an expansive style, okay, we're going to bunker here against city. What you're basically telling your team is that, Hey, we're not good enough. Like this is another standard and, and we can't, we can't approach that standard. And I kind of wonder if this was setting a message of like, no, you, you are good enough. Go out and play with them. And I think Villa did play with them for, most part of game city has their chances. They always do. And eventually their quality saw them out, but I don't know. I still think there's a good bit of talent in this team. And I think like some of the, some of the decisions maybe shouldn't be viewed in the lens of just this match. Yeah. Uh, that is very, very fair. And I mean, to Dean Smith's credit, like, as you said, it's about the mentality and to go to Etihad to, to play the way they did and realistically not look out of place. Because not a whole lot of teams in the league can go out and do that. Like, everybody thought Leeds United could do that. They can't. Right? Like, so uh, credit to Aston Villa. And I think a big statement made by Dean Smith in a way, like, and he stood by his decision, stood by his players, and he kind of said, like, he was treated differently. And it builds that mentality for even Aston Villa. You know, like, Jack Grealish is going to be like, you know, it's us against them kind of a thing. But we'll see how much their quality can take them forward. They uh, might sign Jesse Lingard on loan, so that would be a very, very impressive addition, in my opinion, uh, to that squad. Uh, I think, like him and Barkley, like there's not that much of a difference. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily pooing. I'm just trying to. I'm trying to figure out where exactly he plays. And I, I do kind of see what you're saying. Is like between him and Barkley, it's it's kind of similar. Um, like he can be more of a workhorse when you need need yeah. somebody like that. And Barkley can then be the creative person. So it's just another yeah. attacking option at Villa. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, all you got to do is at Aston Villa is design the game plan to a point where there are enough people taking up spaces that either they're wide open in dangerous spaces or Jack Grealish has the ball. Yeah. Where he's got a one man to beat. So I, I think that it's pretty fascinating to see Jack Grealish kind of, you know, see, his ceiling is going to define this team. And we haven't had a premier league season in a very long time where a single handed player like him, uh, has defined the really the ceiling for a smaller team like Aston Villa, not to shit on them, but the financial stature is very different compared to the clubs you normally see on top. Having said that, talking about financial stature, you've got man city, 
they spent the money again on defense. I mean, and ultimately their defense seems to be, you know, coming together at this point. Johnstone seems like a very good player again. Ruben Diaz, one of the signings, but Kyle Walker did get hurt. But now they have depth again with Zinchenko and so on. So do you think Manchester City as a team are just too complete and about to go on a run? Or do you think this is too early to say that? So it might be a little early to say that, but I'm certainly concerned about <laughs> City being being able to do that and, and maybe being able to stick around with that for a little while. You know, we talked about for a while, especially on defense with City, that they maybe don't have the leader that they used to have in company. And I, I kind of wonder if Ruben Diaz has kind of changed that a little bit. And and he has stepped in there and, and been a leader for uh, this Man City team. And, you know, not just today, but lo- like looking at as far as the whole uh, season has gone and really uh, the past kind of the, the past couple months, you've seen City really step up and play more consistently. I feel like they had a little bit of a slow start of the season, but they, they're really starting to get in, in a groove is what it looks like. And that could be a real problem for a lot of Premier League teams that haven't looked like they're going to hit any kind of form consistently. Yeah, that is very, very fair. But uh, they were only at the top of the table for a couple of hours because uh, Manchester United went to Craven Cottage and took care of business against Fulham. Uh, credit to Fulham, they also played very, very well, took the lead. And as you know, the cliche goes, sometimes the, the team that is, you would rather have a smaller team score a goal like that in the 80th minute than in the fifth minute of the game. And uh, it was too much uh, for Fulham to come out and, uh, you know, uh, take the lead and keep the lead for 90 minutes. Manchester United showed their class. And to be honest, as a fan, for the first time, I just sat there because it this might be the last weekend uh, that we are top of the table because Manchester City are going to soon have enough games played. That I was like, you know, this is wild that people are talking about Man City. People are saying they're going to get on a run. And I'm looking at Man United. We are 13 games unbeaten in the Premier League, top of the table, even if City win were a point behind. So, like, it feels pretty good for once to be in this position. Yeah, I think you have to like where you are right now. Like that doesn't necessarily mean that United have solved all their problems and are, and are going to be a, a top level team for forever. But you know, it where, the way you're playing right now is you deserve you deserve to be where you are. Uh, I think United has been very consistent here recently. Again, kind of similar story with City having a little bit of a slower start to the season, kind of finding his sea legs a little bit, but. They've just been a consistent team and Pogba coming back and being a real contributor and not just kind of a guy who shows up and sometimes looks like he wants to play and sometimes doesn't. But him coming up and being a just kind of the extra little flair player. I, I, I wonder if Bruno feels like a very consistent star, like a guy who consistently puts out in seven out of 10, eight out of 10 performances. And I wonder if that allows Pogba to be a little bit more. Yeah, he's going to do some things that aren't great, but every once in a while he's going to bang in a goal like that. And that kind of lets him do that as opposed to relying on him to be something he's not, which is, a again, that consistent 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10 player. I mean, 
I'll say this, man. The three goals he has scored this year have been absolutely fucking bangers, one after the other. Like, yeah, the Burnley one was a little bit deflected and whatnot. But, I mean, the West Ham one was absolutely curled that shit in. And then today, it's it, 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 this is what he's capable of. I've been very critical of him in the past. And he's shutting me up because he's like, hey, I can be consistent like this. And ultimately, I think very good man management by uh, Solskjaer. Everything that happened going into that Leipzig game, the vibes were not great. People thought the worst was coming. I thought the worst was coming and to have handled the situation. So credit to him. And uh, before we go too much into Manchester United, I do want to say credit to Scott Parker and the way he has turned Fulham around. I know all of a sudden those five undefeated games uh, now looks like, oh, in the last five games, they've lost two and uh, or drawn three. So they don't really have, or drawn at this point, what, five and lost two in their last seven. So People are going to say that, but I think they gave a very good game. I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek is an absolute monster when he's like on form and fit. And it's nice to see him play like that because of the hype that he had when he was a kid. But I think it's a young team. And do you think they're going to have just enough to stay up? Because like today, the bounce from Bailly's leg... Uh, I mean, it looked like it was about to be an on-goal in 2-2, and that's how close they were to getting a point. So, I mean, it wasn't as lopsided as one might think. Yeah, I look at a Fulham team, and if you just look at the eye test, to me, they don't look like a team that's going down. Uh, They look like a team that's going to scrape together enough results to stay up. Now, there's a lot of variance that can happen there. It's, It's a lot of... They're playing with fine margins, I think. They... The, the difference between them staying up and going down could be drawing a game late instead of winning it or something further in the season with versus a West Brom, a Sheffield um, or, or Wolves or anyone. And they're not in a great spot. But I think like, if you just look at it, if you if you ask me the way they're playing now and they played it over a whole season, I think they would absolutely stay up. It's possible they have dig themselves in a little bit too deep of a hole. But if they get the right results, and this is a season of weird results, I, I think that they're going to have just enough to stay up. Yeah, I think uh, as this shakes out a little bit more, uh, teams like Brighton are going to get dragged into this, and uh, it won't be a pretty side. But as far as Fulham are concerned, uh, hopefully promising signs ahead, and they can capitalize on some of these upcoming fixtures. But... Uh, any uh, last words? I Not any last words. I want to have a couple last words about Manchester United in real quick. Uh, it's been a fun ride. 19 games. Kind of wild that halfway through the season we're top of the table. But we got to keep this up for every United fan. And, uh, you know, let's hope that come May we are having this discussion of, hey, can we do this against Man City? Or can we do this against whatever the final fixtures are? So uh, exciting times for the Premier League. But uh, let's hope the title race stays like this and uh, would love to see Burnley pull off an upset at Anfield and break the Liverpool streak. But don't really think that is going to come true. But that should bring us to an end of the first segment of this podcast. We're going to be back with the second segment where we'll give you our quick thoughts and uh, I guess any predictions for our Aston Villa-Newcastle sole Premier League game of the weekend. 
What is up, guys? We are back with the second segment. Going to do a quick preview for this upcoming Premier League weekend's match. Uh, the only game being played, Aston Villa taking on Newcastle. Aston Villa at home at minus 185. Newcastle at plus 500. The draw is at plus 335. I mean, while the result today was not very good for Aston Villa, I think they're about to go and absolutely smash Newcastle. Yeah, that's mostly how I feel as well. I think Aston Villa... You know, like you said, the result didn't go the way they wanted, but I think they acquitted themselves well. I, I think they played a pretty good game and were second best to City, but overall they were they didn't look like they were out of place, and a lot of teams look out of place against Man City. And I just I look at a Newcastle team, you know, they just played Arsenal and there's lots of rumors going around about Steve Bruce's job kind of expected a little bit of performance against or from Newcastle in that match and just didn't see it at all. They just looked very uninspired, didn't really do much of anything. And so I, with that Steve Bruce situation still kind of lingering over Newcastle, I, I think Villa is going to pretty much have their way with them. I very much agree with that. And I don't see Newcastle have a resurgence right now. I could be very wrong because uh, Aston Villa sometimes have uh, tend to play down to their competition. But as far as this game is concerned, I'm going to take Aston Villa as well and uh, predict a pretty easy win for them. Yeah, I, I agree. And you're right. Like New or not Newcastle, Aston Villa have had the in the past. They've had a couple matches where they just scratch your head and you're like, how how did they just not perform in this match and that's possible, but I, I don't think it's very likely. I very much agree. Having said that, uh, that is it from us. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy a week of a weekend of rather uh, FA Cup fixtures. A lot of people have texted me and asked me, why don't we do um, FA Cup games? And well, if you really want us to cover FA Cup, then uh, y'all just got to do your job share the podcast give us five star reviews and uh, write some uh, reviews in order to make sure we get popular and you know if we can make this our day job we'll get you some fa cup content as well it, once we get to 100 ratings on uh apple podcasts we'll um we'll we'll do the next fa cup round how about that all right there we go and uh, we'll, we'll do it for the next season too like if, if this goes on to next season and we get to 100, we'll do around next season. So that is it from us uh, people. And uh, we shall see you guys next week with another round of uh, midweek fixtures. Bye-bye.